They did a nice job on that, didn't they? Yeah, good job. Thank you. Uh, I think about that song, Mary, Did You Know? One of these days we'll be able to ask her, won't we? And I think in her situation, kind of like our situation, yeah, some things, and some things there's no way in the world she could have anticipated everything that would go on. You know, um, when they met uh, Anna and um, Simeon, I started to say Zechariah, and I knew that wasn't right, Simeon in the temple, remember Simeon told her, yes, and a sword were pierced through your heart also. So she had some idea, but how in the world would you take that and really know exactly what that meant and everything you were going to go through? And that's kind of a metaphor for life. There's a lot of things you and I know that we ought to expect out of life. And yet there's so much that is unknown and so much that can seemingly change in just a moment or two. Uh, we can't anticipate everything. We're not prophets or sons of prophets. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or the next day or this next year. I have no idea what 2020 is going to bring. I don't really have my 2020 prophet vision on uh, with that. Do you? And anybody who tells you they do, they're... <laughs> you remember Gene Dixon? Every New Year's, Jean Dixon, you know, in the National Enquirer, her prophecies. Do you know that she made millions of dollars off of that? Because um, she kind of made a prophecy that if John F. Kennedy went to Dallas, something bad was going to happen. I don't remember how specific it was uh, in there, but that's how she kind of came to fame. But did you know that less than 10% of anything she ever, quote-unquote, prophesied ever came to pass? What is the mark of a prophet from God in the Old Testament? 100%. Yeah, because God doesn't lie. And God knows everything that's going to happen. And uh, frankly, he's the only one that does because he's the one who has planned it. And when I think about those kind of things, I think about how there are things in life that we know about. And... Um, as a person who has done a fair amount of talking and visiting and counseling with God's people, do you know something that is really interesting to me? People get blindsided by obvious things, things that they should have known. Because with everything you don't know, there's a fair amount of things that you know. Don't you feel sorry for that poor guy up there? He didn't see it coming. And sometimes uh, people say, well, I just didn't see that coming. Didn't see it coming. I saw it coming, and I'm not even you. Everybody else saw it coming. Everybody else could have told you kind of what to do and how to do it, but you wouldn't listen. You didn't pay any attention. You didn't think it was going to happen to you. Okay? I uh, think about how God's people are sometimes... They're little children here. S-T-U-P-I-D. Am I right? Did I say that? Well, actually, Jesus did. You remember he said the children of darkness are wiser than the children of light. You know what he's saying to us? We have the nature of sheep, and we're just not too smart sometimes. You know... Um, you think about the things that 
are going to happen in life that we know are going to happen in life. I think about uh, how many times people will, uh, you know, smoke six packs a day. And uh, one thing I think about is, good night, you're burning up a lot of money. Am I right? You know, those things look expensive when I'm pumping gas and I look at the price of a carton of cigarettes or something. Good gravy, man. I'm too cheap to burn up $5 bills every time I want to fix. And, uh, you know, it just doesn't seem right. And you'll talk to people about it and they say, well, you know, my great-grandma smoked until she was 104. Well, I think statistically the evidence says, number one, you're probably not going to make it that far. And number two... The statistical evidence, the scientific evidence is, it's going to do more harm to you than it is good. And what happens? People ignore that. Even with the information, they just completely ignore it. And as a Christian, there's another issue. If you're addicted to anything, that means something controls you besides Jesus. You ought to think about that. And uh, we look at things and we go, well, I know this is probably going to happen, but... We don't really prepare for it. We don't really make plans for it. Solomon in Proverbs said, Go to the ant, you sluggard. And he talks about the ingenuity of the ant who collects things in the summer for what they are going to need in the winter, right? And uh, how do they know how to do that? Because God gave them the uh, instinct to do that. Well, you and I don't live by instinct. We live by wisdom. And wisdom comes from, well, the beginning of it is the fear of the Lord. So how crazy is it that so many people today are doing everything they can to remove God from their life and from the culture and from the public square and all of that? It's a choice to be, as I said earlier, S-T-U-P-I-D. That's a choice so often. And we look and see the things we know are coming, the things we know we need to prepare for, and yeah, we're going to get to it one of these days. We're not even as smart as an ant, is what Solomon is saying. And we don't learn from our mistakes, and we don't learn from the mistakes of others. And there are two things that I was thinking about as we get ready to look at these verses in Ecclesiastes tonight. Um, I have had a fair number of occasions where somebody talks to me about a marriage problem or a divorce or uh, an addiction or something like that, and then they, before they even tell me everything they're going through, they go, well, you couldn't possibly understand. You've never been there. And it seems as though I'm only qualified to preach on the things that I have actually been through, regardless of what God's Word says. It's almost as if some people think that they are hearing my opinions about things and I'm not qualified to speak to something I haven't been through. Okay, two things wrong with that. Number one, I'm not preaching my opinions. I'm preaching, trying my best to preach God's Word and what He says about things. And number two, think about it. Sometimes a person who hasn't been there is not tainted by what happens to you when you've been there. Does that make sense? Have you ever noticed that God had in the New Testament a single guy write more about marriage than anybody else? Well, what right does Paul have to tell me about marriage? I mean, you know, if he's not married, what in the world? Why does he instruct me? 
Maybe it's because he could look at it more objectively. If Paul was married, Paul might start to write some of those words and go, Gulp, I got to go home. Sweetie pie might not like what I say. I haven't always lived like a Christian husband. Maybe I better be careful than I... And so God had a single guy write it down because he wasn't tainted by any of his experiences. There's wisdom in that. Sometimes when you talk to someone who hasn't been there, they're not messed up by being there and can give you the unvarnished truth and give you something wise. Okay, so you ought to think about that. If you are having marital problem, go to someone who has a long, successful track record in their marriage. And instead of going, well, they would never understand, don't do that. Go to them and find out how they did it and start applying those kind of things. The next time, since it's New Year's, I told Sammy we were watching some TV this afternoon. And uh, I go, okay, all the diet, food, and gym commercials are getting ready to start. It's a new year, and boy, this year we're going to get in shape. Okay, you, you should hire a personal trainer. Okay, go hire a personal trainer. And when that personal trainer walks in, if they look like me, walk out. Okay, because you don't want somebody who's been there. You want somebody who has conquered. You want somebody who is better than you. You want somebody who knows what you should do, who can really help you. And so if they've got a pot belly and they're, you know, winded and wheezing, you know, uh, all of that kind of stuff, can't do five minutes on a treadmill and can't bench press more than 25 pounds, you might ought to hire a new trainer. And so many times what we want to do is we want somebody to make us feel better about the mistakes we've made. Well, there's a place for that. We want to have empathy, but that doesn't really help you. Everybody in the world could feel really bad for you, and that doesn't help you out. You need somebody who can help you out. And so the, the myth that, well, you've really got to be there in order to you know, really advise or know what you're talking about, that's just not real smart. Now, secondly, the other thing that I've observed over the years is the people that have really been there They've really been there. You know what happens when they reap the consequences of their life? The world pushes them away and says, we don't really want to hear from you. You're too messed up to advise me. How dare you tell me what to do after what all you've done? You ever seen that? It's like, uh, boy, be cool, all the beer commercials and all of that, they show these young, happy people partying and having a good, a good time. But they don't really want the drunk in the gutter who has been there and is vomiting all over himself, do they? They want to push them away and push them under the rug, so to speak, and go on. In other words, the devil has this thing programmed that if we follow his way, we're never going to get out of the messes that we're in. It's a perpetual mess. It's perpetual S-T-U-P-I-D, right? Perpetual. And it doesn't matter where you come from. If you haven't been there, then the world says, well, you have no right to speak. You haven't been there. But if you've been there, people say to you, how dare you lecture me on how to live when you've lived your life that certain way? So it's this endless circle, this endless cycle of messing up. And that's what the devil wants to do. The thief has come but to kill 
steal, and destroy. And let me tell you something. He's had a lot of practice at it. He's had a lot of time. He's had a lot of people and a lot of years. He's crafted it very, very well. And if we're not smart, and if we don't take God and his word seriously, we're going to get back on the cycle instead of changing that. So what we want to do tonight is look at someone who has, if this helps you, they've been there. I'm losing my microphone here. And we want to take somebody who has been there, and instead of just kicking them to the curb because we go, well, Solomon made a, a mess out of his life. Why would I want to follow him? Maybe we need to learn from a guy like Solomon. Did you know you can learn from the negative? You can watch somebody mess up, and you can actually improve your life because of their mess-ups. And so God has Solomon writing these things in Ecclesiastes, and you have to be careful as you work your way through this book. Some things are very wise, and some things are just the thoughts and the journals of a man who is messed up and is reaping the consequences of it. So he says some things in Ephesiastes. Boy, that's really good, isn't it? Okay, that's my own book. <laughs> that almost sounds like speaking in tongues, doesn't it? Uh, like somebody said, it's not an unknown tongue, it's mine. So, Ecclesiastes, okay? Uh, chapter 7, and we'll begin reading in verse 10. Okay? Now, this is going to be very, 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 very relevant and practical. If you want that, this, this hits right where we are. Okay? Look, this first verse is going to hit a lot of you. Do not say, why were the former days better than these? For you do not inquire wisely concerning this. Wisdom is good with an inheritance... In other words, with some money, if you've got resources, and profitable to those who see the sun. That would be those who are alive, those who are living. That's a profitable thing. Verse 12. For wisdom is a defense. Uh, sometimes that word is translated a protection. I think that's a better way. That's what a defense is. But it, it, it resonates better. Wisdom is a protection as money is a protection but the excellence of knowledge is what is that wisdom gives life to those who have it now consider the work of God for who can make straight what he has made crooked hmm. verse 14 in the day of prosperity be joyful There's no wrong nothing wrong with being prosperous but in the day of adversity, consider. Surely God has appointed the one as well as the other, so that man can find out nothing that will come after him. Now, we look at those uh, particular words written in a proverbial type form, and we'll just kind of take them in terms of this. Number one, don't be blindsided. Accept the times that you were appointed uh, and, and you were placed. Uh, God did not want you living in a previous generation and God did not want you living in the next generation or very simply he would have put you there. Uh, 
He's got you placed in this, to quote uh, Mordecai in the book of Esther, for such a time as this. We were made for these times. Now, if we don't live wisely, then the culture and the times that we live in are going to kill us. And they are going to rob from us. And they are going to be tainted. And they're going to be more sad and messed up and broken than they are going to be joyful and victorious and successful. But the principles of God work in any generation. And God has placed you in this generation. And notice how Solomon, I mean, they did it back then too. When you talk about the good old days, well, there were some people that in Solomon's day, way before your good old days, they were talking about where have the good old days gone. Oh, it was so much better then. And you know what I think of when I think about what Solomon says here? Do you remember after Moses took the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt and leads them through the Red Sea uh, phenomenon? That was amazing. And they get out there, and what do they say? Oh, it was so much better in Egypt. The good old days. The good old days of sin, of slavery, of bondage. All of those kind of things. Being controlled by someone else doing things that you didn't want to do and you couldn't find a way to get out of it just like the children of Israel under slavery they had no hope until God sent someone along to lead them out and sometimes we look back and we say oh those were simpler times yeah and you were drunk for most of them you were high for a lot of them you were involved in immorality that you still bear the scars from now what are you talking about it's better to be now, right with God, walking with God, knowing the things of God, knowing the ways of God, having the wisdom of God. This is the best possible time for you to live because it is the time that God has ordained for you to live. We can't reproduce the 1700s or the 1500s or the Reformation or the Great Awakening or any of those things. It's wonderful to read about it. It's wonderful to learn from it. But to sit back and, oh, if I'd lived back then. Some people even say, oh, if I'd lived in the days of Jesus. I'm convinced if I'd lived in the days of Jesus, I would not have been a disciple. I would have been one of the ones saying, crucify him. I mean, this is when we were appointed to live. This is when you were appointed to come to know the Lord. This is the time that you're appointed to be here and to be salt and light and all of those kind of things. And uh, I know we don't always feel like we're up to it, that we're adequate to it. We wish we had people who had more wisdom or people that had influenced our lives before. But uh, they're in heaven now. And now we're moving up in the generations. And now it's our time. This is our time appointed by God. And the good news is God hasn't changed. And his word hasn't changed. Which also means his principles for life haven't changed. What he said back in the Bible about marriage still works. What he said about parenting, it still works. What he says about relationships, it still works. What he says about um, life and death and eternity and all of that with the gospel, that is all still true. So accept the times in which you were live and don't long for other times. This, this is where you are. Make the most of now. As the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians, redeeming the time, redeeming the time because the days are evil. This is the time for you to make maximum impact and to really, really, really do something that will glorify God. Because if you don't, 
you're going to just sit around and wishing for better times or the old times or why can't things be like they are and people be like they used to be, uh, in other words. And uh, what does that do? That does absolutely nothing for where we are now. Accept that. Now, number two. Uh, this is brilliant, isn't it? Prepare for the inevitable as well as the unexpected. Prepare for the inevitable. You know that there are some things coming. You know you're going to get older. You know you're going to need some retirement income. You know your kids are going to get sick. You know your car is going to have to be replaced. You know that you're going to have to buy new tires. You know that your carpeting is starting to wear out. You know, you know, you know, you know, you know. And yet so many people act like, oh my goodness, I have to get new tires. I don't know what to do. Nobody's ever done this before. No, it happens all the time. You know that. And yet you live paycheck to paycheck, spending everything that you get, never saving anything, never following the principles of good stewardship, because after all, whether it's a small amount or whether it's a fortune, it all belongs to God. And we act like that some of these things have just never, ever happened before. And what happened? We got tackled from behind. We didn't see it coming. We got blindsided because we didn't take time to think. We didn't take time to plan. We didn't take time to prepare. And that's why so many people end up in debt. It wasn't a thing to where they said, Hey, honey, you know, if we work really hard, we can be $50,000 in debt on credit cards paying 20% interest. That wasn't anything anybody intended to do. It ended up being an emergency. It ended up being something that I just was caught off guard by this when it was something that happens all the time. December 25th is always Christmas, right? And it's going to be for 2020. So you don't want to get to the 1st of December and go, What? It's Christmas in three, four weeks? What are we going to do? I mean, we know that. We know about different needs that we have. And we know all of those things. So plan for them is what Solomon is saying here. And then at the same time, it's good to have, you notice he said that inheritance, it means having, in those days, it meant having land and flocks of sheep and that kind of thing. In our day, it probably means more like having money, having resources to handle some things. If you can have an inheritance and in wisdom, Solomon is saying, that's a great thing. Because you know, some people get an inheritance and they don't have wisdom and it turns out to be the worst thing that ever happened to them. Families can be ruined. Lives can be ruined by that. And uh, you and I both know of people who have gotten a pretty good uh, inheritance and five years later they don't have any of it left and they have nothing to show for it. You need both. You need wisdom and money. Wisdom and money. And uh, a lot of people don't have any wisdom with their money because they've never bothered to look at or to obey what God says. They take what God says about finances and about stewardship as a nice idea. Nice idea, but you can't possibly live in this world. Do you realize what you're saying about that and what you're saying about the God who gave you those principles? And so when Solomon writes this, he says, prepare, be ready for these things because there are things that are going to happen to you that you know about, so plan for them. And then you also ought to have like an emergency fund or something like that that you set aside and you don't touch because you know what happens? There are some things you don't really know are going to happen and you need wisdom and money as a, well, let's put it like he did, as a defense or as a protection. 
The good news is, when you're a good steward of God's money, you don't have to panic about anything because everything belongs to God. And if you're managing his money the way that he tells you to manage his money, then you're going to be prepared for things that are going to happen in your life. But the problem is, most of us are not, and we're not even prepared. Do you remember what I told you before? Eight out of ten people live paycheck to paycheck. And about the same number of people could not handle a $1,000 emergency that, that came up. $1,000. In today's world, $1,000 is a lot of money, but it's not like $1,000 was 50 years ago, is it? And so when we think about these things, we could be ready, we could be more prepared, and God would bless us if we would prepare for the inevitable and also be ready for the unexpected. There's no reason to be blindsided. You need money to function in this world, and God understands that, but you also need wisdom. Which brings me to the third point in this set of verses, and that would be this. If you ever have to choose between wisdom or money, which should you choose? Well, wisdom. Wisdom would be the way to go because a wise person is going to make it through the storms of life. A wise person is going to be a resourceful person. A wise person is going to, well, you know the old saying that if all we do is what we've already done, all we can, is, all we can expect is what we've already got. Well, that is so true. And somebody else said that insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Well, that is so true. And somebody else said that when you find yourself in a hole, the first thing you should do is stop digging. And our culture can't figure those three things out. It's going to be different this time, people say. We have people that come by the church for benevolence. And uh, next Tuesday, they've got this big deal and this big check or this big job or something that's going to happen. You want to know the sad truth about it? Some of these people we've been helping for over 20 years. And tomorrow has never come. The big job has never come in or, or anything like that. Or if it does, they waste it. Well, we want to be different than that. And we want to set a good example. And we want to understand that it's being wise. That's the primary goal. It starts with the fear of God. And the fear of God is to take him and his word and the principles in his word seriously. Not say they don't apply to this day and age or anything like that. If you say that about one scripture, you're going to have to say that about all of scripture. But if you go the wise route, you understand this God who made us, this God who placed us in this time that we live, is the same God that has promised to give us the resources that we need to live the life he has chosen for us to live and that he provides all of our needs according to his riches and glory. We're just not always wise enough to use them properly. And I wonder sometimes if I were to go to heaven and stand before the Lord and he did have a Q&A session. Some people say, when I get to heaven, I got some things I want God to explain to me. Um, I, don't, I don't think you're going to feel that arrogant or bold once you get up there in his presence, number one. And number two, I don't think you're going to have any questions when you get up there because the Bible says that we will know even as we are known. And I think everything's going to fit together. But let's just say that I could. And I go before God and I say, God, and I name five times in my life where I was short on money. You promised to provide all of my needs and I didn't have what I needed here, 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 and here. Okay? 
You know what I think I would hear back from him? Probably a rewind. He said, okay, let's go back from that first one that you had. And he gives me the date. That was it. Okay? Let's look back over here and see six months before when I chose to use that money for a really cool stereo. And then I didn't have it for what I had when I needed it. I wonder how many times I've misused and misspent his money. In fact, I don't even want to know how many times I've done that. You see, with our own kids, there were times when we would give them money for something and they would spend it on something else and then get upset because they didn't have it for what they really wanted it for. Well, what'd you spend it over here for? Well, I just couldn't help it and there was just so much going on and everybody else was doing it and now they want a bailout. You know what Sammy and I would do? Sometimes we would bail them out. Sometimes we wouldn't. Always with the idea of we wanted to teach them. If you're wise with your money and you don't just blow it all over here, you'll have it for over here for something you really want that matters. And then we also sometimes wanted to teach them that, oh, God has bailed me out more times than I can even count and many more times than I deserve. If you're in that situation, say amen. I mean, God is good. And we look at these things and realize that our problem is we're just not wise. And because we say, well, I didn't know that was going to happen, is not really any excuse because God knew. And God provided for that. And had I been wise in that situation, I wouldn't have gotten tackled from behind. <coughs> Bought a house one time. And uh, it was back in the days when you could do an assumable loan. So we just took over the loan of the previous owner. And then we took out another loan to pay him his equity. And then God moved us within 10 months. When that house sold, it didn't even cover the mortgage. I had to take out another loan to pay off the mortgage. Man, that was a terrible thing to be in. Terrible place. You're supposed to make money off of real estate. I lost it big time in there. And I remember praying about that. God, why did you allow this to happen? And then as I thought about it, considered this. Was it really God's will for me to buy that house at that particular time? And I could say, well, I didn't know. Well, the Holy Spirit sure knew. And they knew we were going to be moving. And they knew all of that. And he knew all of that kind of stuff. So maybe I wasn't walking in the most wise uh, counsel and situation because I was doing what seemed right to me instead of following the leadership of the Lord because the Bible says that the Lord will be the one who will lead us, who will guide us, who will give light for every step that we take and he does that through his word. I wasn't really in a position to buy a house. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I wasn't really in a position to buy the house because even after I bought the house if the roof leaked, I couldn't afford to fix it. I was already so far into debt and more than what I could get out of the house. All it was going to do is make me uh, uh, more broke, right? And so uh, probably wasn't the best time, but, but everybody was saying, you got to buy a house, you got to buy a house, you got to buy a house. That's financial security. Let me tell you, I can testify, it wasn't. And it's not always the best thing to do. And I ran ahead of God 
and got into a little, got into a little bit. I got into a lot of trouble over all of that. Did I learn from it? You bet I did. You bet I did. And so don't assume a lot of these kind of things because you need wisdom. And if it's a choice between money or wisdom, get the wisdom. Because wise people tend to make money and figure out how to make money. But more importantly than that, when they get it, they know how to use it and to use it properly. And I find so many people in today's culture, if they have a choice between working some overtime or hearing the word of God, it's overtime every single time. Well, i got to work. Well, you got to make a living. Yeah, well, you need wisdom more than that. You need wisdom about how to live. You need wisdom for how to use the money. You need God's wisdom for everything you do in life. And we just don't have our priorities in order. And so if it's a choice between wisdom or money, choose the wisdom. The excellence of knowledge is that wisdom gives life to those who have it. Wisdom gives life to those who have it. Money can't do that. Riches can't do that. Possessions can't do that. Wisdom will do it. And wisdom is the kind of thing that will make you ready for whatever it is that you're getting ready to go through because you may not know, but God knows. And you need the wisdom to be prepared, to be ready, and to make it through it and to trust God in that situation. Very practical. Number four, sometimes God makes change impossible. I think about how many times, and this goes into what I said this morning. There are times when we are spending our lives trying to teach people who don't want to be taught. Trying to change people who are happy the way that they are trying to give people advice that will get them out of a hole that they don't want to get out of. And it was interesting that with this morning sermon, Paul's advice out of Titus, reject a divisive person after two admonitions, two warnings. And then I get down here to what Solomon has to say in verse 13. Consider the work of God. That ought to perk your ears up. For who can make straight what he has made crooked. Now there are several ways you could look at that. One way is what God has declared to be wrong, you're never going to make it right. Society can't make it right. Congress can't make it right. The president can't make it right. And you can't make it right. So you might as well go God's ways on all of that. That's pretty clear. But I thought about another way you could apply that. Here I am working with a person, working with a situation in which they do not want to change, will not change, and they have dug in their heels so deep that they are resistant to everything that the Word of God has to say. You know, I can do something uh, like this. I can go over to uh, one of these walls, okay? And I can bang my head against that wall. And I can claim by faith that I'm going to knock that wall down. And I'm going to keep on going. And I'm going to be persistent until that wall is knocked down all the way through the brick exterior. And what would you say about that? That is a S-T-U-P-I-D thing to do, isn't it? I could go with my uh, pickup and buy a load of dirt and head to Arizona and start on a project to fill in the Grand Canyon. 
Anybody want to join in that venture? That's just... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I'm afraid that sometimes in life what happens is we start taking on projects to change things that are never going to change. Romans 13 says the powers that be are appointed by God. And I don't care what you try to do, you're never going to change that. I don't care whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. I don't care whether you vote when you're um, uh, alive or whether you vote after you die. Because sometimes that seems to happen, doesn't it? And uh, I don't care if you are able to pull it off to vote 15,000 times or you get with Vladimir Putin and try to change the elections or all of that. You know what's going to happen? And this is what's going to be seen when everything is said and done. I don't care who cheated. I don't care what people did or what they didn't do or how they tried to do it. One thing is certain. If you believe the Word of God. Now, if you don't believe the Word of God, you're not going to accept this. But if you believe the Word of God in Romans 13... The people that God puts in office are going to be put into office and you and I are not going to be able to change that. Now, I don't think that is God saying just be passive and don't be involved or informed in politics and don't vote. I don't think he's saying that. You've got to be a good citizen and a steward of the country and the government God has given you. And in the last election, 54 million evangelical Christians, people who claim to be like you and me, didn't even bother to vote. And I say, shame on you if you didn't do that. That's, that's bad stewardship of this government and this wonderful country and wonderful freedom that God has given us. You ought to be involved in all of that. Well, it doesn't make any difference. Isn't that what you just said? That's not your call. That's not your call. That's God's call. But you got to make sure that in the meantime, you could say to the Lord, I was a good steward of the freedom you gave me. That's why I think if you get drafted, you ought to serve. If there's something that comes up, you ought to be involved in it. You ought to be, that's why we ought to be involved in being salt and light and being moral uh, and moral issues, taking a stand on those kind of things. Uh, all of that is where we're supposed to be involved. That's why we take the gospel to every creature, even the non-elect. Isn't that right? Every creature. Some of them are not going to get saved. Not your call. Your call is simply to be obedient. And this is what I think about when we get to this last particular part in here. There are some things that God has determined are never going to change. Why does he do that? I don't know. I made reference this morning to Deuteronomy 29, 29. You're just going to have to trust God with some things. Why did this happen? Well, if this had changed and if this one thing, it's kind of like when we analyze a football game, right? My brother and I were texting back and forth during the OU game, and he is a rabid OU fan, okay? So we don't always see eye to eye on everything. And his thing was, well, there were some calls that they just blatantly ignored, and that can change the whole swing of the game. Well, that's kind of what we do with politics. That's kind of what we do with life. That's what we do with parenting. That's what we do with money. That's what we do uh, all the time when we do that. We need to just understand that there are some things that I don't care how good you are, how smart you are, I don't care how hard you try. It's like taking a little pickup and uh, taking a dirt load to the Grand Canyon and trying to fill it in. Some things are just not going to change. And there comes a point to where we have to have, like that serenity prayer says, the serenity 
to accept the th to change the things we can and um, I forgot how it goes now but also understanding there's some things we can't change this is a loose paraphrase right and then the last part of it is and the wisdom to know the difference who can make straight what God has made crooked Solomon says you've got to be ready for the fact that there are just some things that are just going to be the way they are. And he says, so in the day of prosperity, be joyful. Don't be ashamed of it. Enjoy it. Share it. And uh, do good with it. Be wise with it. But in the day of adversity, when things kind of cave in or they don't work out, Solomon says, consider. Because God has appointed one as well as the other. Why is that? Because you can learn either way. And God doesn't want you to get arrogant or to get proud or to ever be unteachable. So how do you face these things and what do you do with these things because they're going to happen to you and Solomon is saying, dude, listen, I've been there and if you're going to kick me to the curb because I've messed up, then be prepared to follow in my footsteps. But if you're wise, you will learn from the negative things that Solomon has been through and you will apply these things to your life. Why? God has put you in this particular time, this particular place, this particular generation, this particular country right now for such a time as this. And then we also need to understand that as we think about how we're living life, God knows what it is that we need. And he will give us the resources that we need. But we have a responsibility to find out how things work. And sometimes I get into a little trouble because, oh, well, anybody can change this. I'll just change this filter and pop it out, put it in a new one, and it doesn't work. Then I go to the instruction book. Oh, I was supposed to do this first. Hmm. So many times we find that in life, and then we find out later on, well, the Bible addressed that all along. Be careful. Use the resources God has given you. Talent, ability, everything, including money. But do it God's way. You need wisdom with it. And thirdly, have your value system intact so that when it's a choice between like wisdom or money or something like that, that wisdom wins every time. And then understand this. You're going to run up against some obstacles that no matter how hard you pray, no matter how hard you believe, no matter how hard you try... You're going to figure out after a while, I'm just banging my head against a concrete wall and it's hurting me and it's not changing that situation at all. Wow, ding, maybe a sovereign God has made it so that is not going to change. And why is that? Deuteronomy 29 and uh, verse 29, the secret things belong to God. They're just some things we don't know and some things we're not going to figure out and some things we're just going to have to leave with God and say, okay, if that door's not open, then I'll go to another one that is open. And you can live a very productive, fruitful, and wise life if you will just learn from these things that Solomon has said. Does any of that make sense to you tonight? So now it's very practical. What are you going to do with it? And you need to apply it, and you probably need to make some changes. We all do. We're all growing, and we're all learning. And let's ask God that we might do it by his power and to do it by walking in the way of wisdom, the fear of the Lord. So will you join with me in a word of prayer? Okay. Father, we think about this because we are naturally bent toward going the wrong way. 
And even after we're saved, we still don't think the way we ought to think and we don't really believe the way we ought to believe because we're still learning and we're still growing. And we're kind of like a little, little kid crawling on the floor and we just pick up everything we find and put, put it in our mouth. And we're tired of being like that. We want to grow up and we want to be wise and we want to be fruitful and we want to have the power of God in our lives. And we want to have all of our needs met because we've handled what you've given us wisely and we've done it according to your word. And so, Father, we ask you to take what Solomon taught us tonight and allow us to apply it. Now, maybe we don't apply it perfectly and maybe we don't apply it in every area, but you're sovereign even over all of that and you're very patient with your children as we grow. The point is we just need to grow. Grow in understanding, grow in knowledge, grow in wisdom, grow in our confidence and faith in you. And that's what we really pray for tonight. Change us, Lord, and draw us to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing before we go tonight.